Burke, point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You listen to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is our latest edition of Mailbag Monday, our weekly mailbag segment that I typically record on Monday nights and post on Tuesdays, but some personal conflicts came up, so it's posting late Tuesday night. Sorry for being a day late. Listen, you watch the Blazers. You know sometimes they miss open threes. I missed an open one. But um, we're here. We do this. Like I said, we do this every week. Uh, there's two ways to get involved if you want to get involved. It's you tweet at me at Mike G. Rich is the is my handle on Twitter. You can just send me a tweet whenever you're thinking of it. It helps if you tag it as mailbag or you can watch the skies on Monday mornings when I typically send out a tweet soliciting your questions. You respond to that tweet. I'll do my best to get you in the show. If you are not a Twitter user or just someone who doesn't tweet, you can send me an email. The address is lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. One more time for you, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. Without further ado, let's get it going. The first one comes from Belgian Blazer at Belgian underscore Blazer on Twitter who asks, did the Blazers beat the Nets? (laughs) They didn't. They didn't. Blazers lost their second game in a row. After an absolute beatdown, 40-point loss on Sunday, the loss by four to the Nets. The Nets playing without Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Uh, Blazers without their just normal tall people. Uh, this was a night where the Blazers, they kind of are who they are. Uh, you know, I won't, I won't go too deep into it, but like they're a bad defensive team that has to rely on them being them being really elite on offense. And they're they were bad on offense tonight. Um, you know, the, neither neither of their star guards really got it going. Uh, I thought CJ missed a couple that he could definitely make late, and they didn't quite get enough punch anywhere else on the offense. Anywhere else. I mean, they scored 112. The offense wasn't really the problem, but they're like the margin for error for... Um, they're bad on defense, so the offense has to be like really freaking good for them to win, and it was just like pretty good tonight. But that was that was mostly a joke question. Thanks for thanks for it. Next question comes from Luxury Tax at actually your handle has a kind of a swear word in it. I'm gonna leave it out. Luxury Task Tax asks, you think the Blazers would trade Hood, Gary Trent Jr., Zach Collins, and a first rounder for Aaron Gordon? Do I think they would? No. Uh, I don't think Neil O'Shea wants to trade Gary Trent Jr. My read on what Neil wants to do is he is he wants to swing like a low end trade that it's is can you trade some combination of like Ant, Nas, Hood and some picks to upgrade that spot. But I think they're headed to the buyout market. I think that's where they're headed. I don't think he wants to trade Gary Trent Jr. What I think he wants to do is he wants to sign Gary Trent Jr. to like a three year, forty five million dollar contract and then try to trade him when he's fifteen when he's you know uh, paid fifteen million bucks. That's my read on what what Neil would like to do. He kind of tried to do that with, that was at least his plan with Alfaruq Aminu and, uh, and Mo Harkless was to sign them to these sort of palatable $10 million a year, a deal, a year deals, and then try to trade them from that. It just, it just didn't really work out in that way. Uh, luxury tax adds, if not, how likely is it? We try to trade Gary Zach and a pick for John Collins. I mean, way freaking less likely. Um, John Collins is better he that's a somehow you ended up with a worse trade package the numbers don't exactly line up there um that's just not happening i'm not going to hit you with the hell nah but that's a hell nah next question comes from bernardo sarpy at b underscore sarpy who asks all of a sudden the blazers announced that mike g rich is replacing neil olshay some days before the trade deadline congrats mike what are your moves to make us take us to the nba finals 
related. Thomas Cogswell at Thomas Cogswell on Twitter asks, what do you think the Blazers ceiling in the playoffs is this year? If they get back peak Nurk 15, 10 and three assists and swing a trade for a better defensive rotational player at the deadline. So I think these are related, right? Because if I was the GM, I would hope that Nurkic got back and was healthy and was balling and was peak Nurk. Um, peak Nurk might even be better than 15, 10 and three. Like I know that's his like peak so far, but like, I think at his best Nurk is like, you know, I guess this is nitpicking, but like 18, 12 and four or something like that. Like I think he could be, he could be, what I mean is like Nurk could be a better offensive player than he's shown. He could just make some layups. Um, and a rotational defensive player, obviously, that would be a huge upgrade, right? If they just had like a slightly better defensive wing in that kind of, in the role that they're asking Rodney Hood to play, like, hey, can you come be long and be tall and play play some offense um, or play some defense? I think that's that's the role that, that they've kind of slotted Rodney into a little bit. And uh, that you're right, that would be the spot. But like, I don't think... I don't think there is a trade at the deadline. And I think I had Jason Quick on the most the most recent podcast. It's in your feed right before this one. And he was kind of trying to convince me, or he wasn't trying to convince me, but he was suggesting that the Blazers are are contenders or close to contenders with a healthy Nurk. And I don't see that. Like, I don't, that is not what I'm watching when I watch this team. I like, I, um, you know, we didn't get into it because we're friends and we don't like scream at each other over Zoom or whatever. But like, I just, we didn't agree on that. I don't think they're close to contending and I don't think there's a single move they can make at this trade deadline that gets them to an NBA finals. Like the thing that gets them to the NBA finals is uncanny hotness from their, from players that they have, like just a six, six torrid weeks from Gary Trent Jr. or something like that. Like that's, that's what it takes. I don't think I just think this team is too bad on defense to be to win to get to the make to the NBA finals you got to win 12 games against good teams and I don't see the Blazers winning 12 games against good teams with how bad they are on defense even with even with the moves that that um even with like the potential moves that Bernardo is asking me for or the or the like sort of specific moves that Thomas is is suggesting like I think those are the moves I would make and I don't think you get there with with that Next question comes from Austin, who asks, Prior to the season, I laid out a stat line. 29 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, and a steal, and a conference seeding, third place, for Damian Lord to hit that would get him in the conversation for MVP. However, with the MVP being as much a narrative award as it is a statistical one, it could be argued that it's much more a most visible player than a valuable player who gets the most player who gets the most attention with that in mind what sort of stat line would and win percentage would dame need to put up to overcome the small market media attention that portland receives in order to win the mvp not just be in the conversation back to my small market robbery back to my argument of small market robbery i guess yeah austin i've you know me and you went back and forth a little bit on an email and you know that i don't agree with this um Damon Lord is correctly, accurately rated in the national media as very freaking good. Like everyone recognizes him from um, on all the all the all the letter networks, TNT and ESPN. They all they know um, that he is extremely good, and they treat him as such. The weird thing they do is they try to like trade him from Portland, but they don't disrespect him as not being good. And quite frankly. It's the attention he would receive is by climbing the Blazers back up to third in the West. If they were third in the West, he would be right there in the conversation. He's already in the MVP conversation, but he would be like dominating it if they were there. You know the guy who's going to win MVP? Like it's going to be Joel Embiid or something like that. That's my guess is Joel Embiid. But you know the guy who's like, who's, who's going to win the narrative battle over the next couple of weeks? It's Nikola Jokic. That's not a big market. 
So, I mean, it's Denver is the larger market than Portland, but it's not some massive market. Um, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo is not in a big market. The market is just, the market stuff is is a factor in where free agents go and who who maybe gets like the, the sexy sort of like uh, championship benefit of the doubt in the sort of talking conversations. Like I still think the Clippers are good and maybe I'm, maybe that's like LA shine. Right. Um, but, but so like MVP is about winning. It's about winning. If the Blazers were third in the West and Dame was averaging 30 and eight, he'd be right there. If they finish third in the West this year and Dame averages 30 and eight, he will finish top two in the MVP voting straight up small market or nothing. Next question comes from Matthew Bryant at Matthew 9622 on Twitter who asks, why do reporters get irritated when fans say we when talking about their favorite team? So I, I do this as mostly as a bit. Like I know uh, the like you all who are listeners and people who ask questions on the show, like you, you allow me to do this, right? You listening in your headphones right now, allow me to do these ad reads I'm about to do and, and make money on this podcast. And, and frankly, and put time into this podcast. Like you, you are, you are the people who make this possible, right? I, I, I want to do a good job because I know people listen. I see the numbers. I know that more of you listen than you have in the past. I, and I, I sincerely appreciate it. So I like to tease you because you don't work for the team. You're not a trailblazer. You're a trailblazer fan. Um, you know, there's, there's, um, there's a Blazers podcast, uh, Blazers Balcony, run by two employees of the team, Casey Holdall and Brooke Olsendam. If they say we, hell yeah, they can say we. They work for the team. They're they're their uh, paychecks are, are have little trailblazers logos on them i imagine it's direct deposit they don't get paychecks but like that's we um so i just i do it as a bit mostly just to rag on rag on on listeners and i i don't it doesn't irritate me as much as i like to just highlight it so if i see a collective pronoun you know i'm gonna shout it out um but i'm just teasing it doesn't irritate me at all it, people say we all over the world i just have a microphone and get to make fun of people that's like that's that's the privilege that i enjoy by um you know, putting some putting some time into this audio program. So say we use your collective pronoun. Say we lost to the Nets. Say it. Say it. We lost to the Nets. In fact, let me keep it. Let me keep it a buck buck oh five with you. Plenty of other hosts on this very podcast network say we when talking about their teams. I don't do it because I don't work for the team. <laughs> Never have. But. uh it's not uncommon. It's a thing that have. It's a thing fans always do. But I'm I'm gonna rib people for it because I think it's kind of funny. And now I've leaned into it so much that that listeners are in on the joke. So I'm still gonna. So they you know capitalize we in their emails and their tweets and stuff, or put little asterisks next to the word our. I love it. I love it. I love. Um. I'm I'm not gonna stop teasing y'all. That's that's um. Like I said, they gave me the microphone. I'm gonna do what I want to do. All right. Let's come back in the second segment and answer more of your questions our questions is that how collective pronouns work okay before we get there though let's talk about locker room locker room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans the app is free to download and once you're in you can talk with me that's right mike mike g rich mike richmond other fans athletes and insiders in real time about your favorite team or your favorite sport what have you 
I will be hosting a Locked On Blazers locker room chat once a week on Wednesdays with my friend and colleague, Jamie Hudson. She's going to join me on there, and you can join us too in the conversation. It'll be Wednesday, 6 p.m. Portland time, so 9 p.m. if East Coast listeners. The rest of you in the, in the middle time zones can figure out what that means for you. But it's I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, I did one last week and, and got to talk to a couple people who jumped on in there. So download the Locker Room app. Make sure you get in there. Uh, it's Right now, it's only available to iOS users. I assume they're going to try to expand it. But for now, if you got a, if you are on uh, Apple products, you can join me in there. Just download the Locker Room app wherever you already get it. Uh, and be sure you can create a profile. You can link to your Twitter if you're a Twitter user. And join the NBA group. So that, that way you'll find me in there. And follow me on there. I'm at Mike G. Rich. And you'll be notified when I go live. But like I said, Wednesday, 6 p.m. I'll send out a link on Twitter. You'll find it. You won't want to miss this. It's going to be a lot of fun. Wednesday, 6 o'clock. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. If I'm not sure I'm going to do this every week, but join me on there. You can ask questions. I can bring you on stage. We can talk back and forth. I'm sure plenty of times you've wanted to yell at me. This will give me you a chance to you know, disagree with me in real time. And I can even save those conversations and turn them into future podcast segments. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, download the Locker Room app wherever you already get apps. Well, in the iOS store specifically. This episode is also brought to you by rockauto.com. Y'all know rockauto.com. It's the family business that's been serving auto part customers online for over 20 years. And you can go to rockauto.com right now and shop for all the auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They got everything you need from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil, even new carpet. And whether it's your classic or your daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks and all of it will be delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and it's remarkably easy to navigate. So you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specifications, and the prices that you prefer. And best of all, it's those prices because at rockauto.com, they're always reliably low and they're the same for professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You don't have to do that. Instead, you can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And while you're there, make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box and that way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. So make sure you follow Locked On Today wherever you already get podcasts. All right, let's keep it rolling with this Mailbag Monday on a Tuesday night. Next question comes from Belgian Blazer at Belgian underscore Blazer. This is another one of those where I accidentally put Belgian Blazer at the front of the first segment and the second segment, but I that's just how it happened. It wasn't necessarily my intention for you to lead off the first two segments, but uh, you, hey, you did it. You did it with one joke question and one serious question. Here's your serious question, Belgian Blazer. It is, after the Blazers came back in the first home game against the New Orleans Pelicans, Terry Stotts was asked what his message was in the huddle during the fourth quarter of that game. 
He said, I really couldn't tell you. Nothing I said made a difference. It was the players communicating. The will was there. I really don't have to say much. What do you make of his response? I thought it was a bit odd. Also, more generally, do fans overestimate the importance of coaches' messaging when a team makes a big comeback? Hell yeah, the messaging makes no difference. Um, I mean, not no difference. Like, obviously, coaches do stuff. But I've said this a bunch, and I've even I've talked about this with Terry, is like, once the, like coaches coach before the game, right? They, they get, they set a game plan. Like that game plan goes into, goes into guys, iPads, they get film. That's like specific, uh, specific to the matchup, specific to the player. They're going to be guarding specific to the team. You know, they'll watch film in a game day shoot around. They'll go over some stuff. Like the coaching happens before the game starts. Once the game starts, the only thing a coach does is decide who plays and when. I mean that that's like an oversimplification of it but I really believe like the 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 main thing a coach does once the game starts is decide who's on the court and who the, and who they're sharing the court with. It's why I think like lineup data is so interesting because who plays and when is like in is the sort of like most valuable thing we can sort of see from like what what coaching decisions are actually made. Uh but but frankly like I think I view this very different from you, dear listeners, and, and and maybe specifically you, Belgian Blazer, is like, I have, Terry has been giving shitty quotes to me for closing in on a decade, eight, you know, seven or eight seasons, depending on when you start, sort of when, when, when I get to count, um, like, but, you know, seven years, like pretty consistently giving me bad quotes. So like Terry... Asking Terry to sort of like specifically divulge something um, with his team and having him not do it is like never going to surprise me because he's always letting me down. Um, let me just like take you inside a, a place that I, I come back to a bunch is the night Wesley Matthews tore his Achilles. It was obvious in the moment that he did it. That is it tore his, tore his Achilles. It was, it was dramatic and terrible and the Blazers won the game and it was like this strange thing where it was, it was a really good win. They beat a good Dallas team. They moved up to third in the West. Like it was, it was a very good win and they did it without Wesley Matthews in the final, uh, you know, quarter and a half. Uh, and Terry Stotts stood up in front of the media and said, I have no update on Wesley Matthews. Okay. What the hell? Weird. We walked to the back and the way the Moda Center works is that Terry leaves out of the side door and kind of, if you're going to the locker room, you kind of follow right behind him. You can even like, you know, walk with him if you have maybe something to, to share with him or whatever. But usually he walks first and then, and then the media kind of trails behind. And as he's done doing his interviews, the locker room opens. So you're not walking for no reason. You're walking to the locker room. And... As we're walking to the locker room, the text comes out over the Blazers sort of like in news text service. It wasn't Slack at the time, but it was something similar to that. And it was like, Wesley Matthews tore his Achilles out for the season. Sent by the Blazers PR staff that was sitting next to Terry Stotts when he's at the podium. He knew and he didn't want to talk about it. He said he had no update because he didn't want to say anything. This is who he, this is, he's been doing this for years. That was, that was in 2013 or 2014 rather. Like it's, he... This is who he is. He's just, I, I am, I'm over Terry quotes. There's nothing he could say that would surprise me at this point. And f quite frankly, this quote, I don't know. I don't 
recall this exactly, but the quote you read to me here, Belgian Blazer, it's pretty good. That's a pretty, that's a pretty like enlightening Terry quote is that the players knew the game plan and they were bought in. So he didn't have to rah, rah, rally them up. Like the players took responsibility for it. Like to me, this is a pretty good Terry quote. I would use that one in a story even as like, a, that would, that would offer me a little more color, but yeah, like I'm never going to, this is, I'm, I'm years deep into giving up on Terry, giving good and meaningful quotes. He doesn't, he doesn't say nice things in insight. He doesn't say nice things that are insightful. He doesn't offer criticism that's insightful. He just, he's just very cautious with what he tells reporters. And so he basically says nothing to them. And I know he has a good rapport with Brooke Olsendam. And so he comes off as like fun in some like team interviews, but he's not that. He's not that. He's not a helpful coach for media members who are trying to do reporting on the team. Next question comes from Ben, who asks, would the Blazers have been better this year with Hassan Whiteside instead of Ennis Cantor? I'd argue they're both starting caliber NBA centers who are elite at, in a single skill. That being said, Hassan averaged 3.9 offensive rebounds per game in 1920, and Cantor 4.2 this year with 13.5 to 11.7 total rebounds and blah, 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 blah. Raptor, which is 538's, um, like, all-in-one metric that uses play-by-play uh, -play and player tracking data to calculate an individual player sort of plus-minus measurements and their wins above replacement, which also accounts for like total playing time. But Ben notes that Raptor has Whiteside in 1920 as better than Cantor, driven by his plus 2.3 defensive rating to Ennis's minus 2.6. These ratings are on-off-court derived, blah, 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 blah. So basically... Um, Ben's, I should edit this message instead of blah, 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 blah. And you, Ben, you sent me a long detailed email. I just didn't edit it for this particular podcast. I apologize. So Ben continues. I've seen plenty of opposing teams dribble into the paint and dribble back out because Whiteside was there protecting the rim. What Raptor analysis tells me is that Hassan, for all his faults, is in fact a game altering defender and that in general, Portland fans were way too hard on him. Yeah, so I, 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 I agree with you that Portland fans were way too hard on him, but he wasn't a game-altering defender. Their defense sucked last year. Like, he's a better defensive player than Ennis Cantor, for sure. And even looking at sort of Raptors' offensive um, splits, it doesn't suggest that Cantor is so much better on offense than uh, than Hassan Whiteside, such that the defense offsetting would... would um, would sort of balance it out. So I think you're right based on this, based on uh, 538's Raptor stat is that Hassan Whiteside last year looks better than Cantor this year. That's certain. Um, but I, I'm a little shaky on all-in-one catch-all defensive metrics. I don't really like them. I don't, there's not one that I trust. Like, I think the Raptor one is is close, right? Like, I think it's the best of them. It seems to me to like sort of match up with what I'm watching, but I don't, I don't trust it as the best one. Like it's, I think, I think Rudy Gobert is the best defensive player in the league and Raptor thinks he's like, you know, among the best defensive players in the league, right? He's, he's third in, in, uh, in defensive rate in the, the like defensive, their defensive Raptor and Christian Wood is fourth. Um, I'm not sure I buy all that. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure I buy all that. According to the Raptor defensive rating, Isaiah Stewart is uh, ninth in the league and, 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 uh, overall rap, the defensive Raptor. Like, I just, I don't know if I, I don't know if I buy these catch all stats, quite frankly. So, for me, this is like I watched every minute of Hassan Whiteside with the with the Blazers. I've watched every minute of of Ennis with uh, with the Blazers. Ennis stinks on defense. He's really bad at it. He tries hard, but he's really slow and he has bad defensive instincts. So bad defensive instincts coupled with slow slow lateral movements means you give up a lot of easy points. He's also not a leaper. He's got short arms. Like he's none of the things that Hassan is. And I think um, 
Blazer fans got on Hassan a little bit more than was necessary. Um, he he was fine. He just wasn't. He was just like kind of mediocre. Uh, and he he became sort of the scapegoat for a bad season. And he wasn't that. He was just kind of a mediocre player. I don't know if Hassan Whiteside is a starting caliber center though in the league. Like I'm not sure that that's true. Maybe he was as recently as last season, but I don't think he is now. And quite frankly, I think Ennis Cantor has proved that he's probably not that either. I think these are both backups, and I and for my money, I'd probably rather have Cantor's offensive ability and offensive rebounding versus what like uh, Hassan Whiteside's perceived defensive abilities because the way the league works, um, him keeping guys away from the rim matters less. Uh, I think you have a Ben. I think you have a really compelling argument, and you could tell me I'm wrong, and I would believe you. But um, for my money. Cantor's just, I'd rather have Cantor. I think he's a better basketball player. I think he helps you win more games. That said, you've pointed out that people who are smart think that maybe I'm wrong. All right, let's come back in the third segment, close out the show with more of your questions. But before we get there, let's talk about bet online. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on sports. Simple as that. NBA games every night, college basketball uh, closing up both the men's and women's tournaments. Wonderful time to get in on the action. Uh, the NHLs, there's in the, there's NHL games every night. Also, if you don't want to bet on sports, there's reality TV you can bet on, awards. Like you want to bet on the Oscars, you can do that. It's got real-time updated odds, props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline's got you covered for all the news, real-time scores. It's just the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head on over to their website, betonline.ag. You can use your fo- your phone. You can use your computer. You sign up today using the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. The promo code is LOCKEDON, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. Y'all know Built Bar. I've been telling you about it for what seems like forever, but ain't nothing changed. It's still the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. All the bars are covered in 100% chocolate, but now it's time to figure out which is the best Built Bar. That's right. It's Built Bar Madness. We've reached the enticing eight in today's matchup. It's cookies and cream versus coconut almond. This is a tough one for me. Uh, both of these are, are solid flavors. We've actually we've actually reached a point where I like every every flavor pretty much. I like I I legitimately very much like seven of the eight flavors remaining. These are two of them that I really like. I'm gonna push coconut almond f- forward. I think the combination of coconut and and uh, the nuts is 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 better than cookies and cream just because of a little bit of variety, but you can't go wrong with cookies and cream. If you want to try these flavors or you want to you want to vote on, on who wins this matchup, go to builtbar.com or visit their Twitter page, bar underscore built on Twitter. And you can also use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at builtbar.com. Make sure you check back, see who won today's matchup, and who will become the best tasting protein bar. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Locked On Blazers. If you like this show, you probably want to know more about the NBA Draft. So why don't you check out the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week 
from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. All right, let's close out this this glorious Mailbag Monday on a Tuesday night with more of your questions. This next one comes from Scooby-Doo at MVH underscore genetics who asks, does Nurk's return impact the Blazers more the same or less than CJ McCollum's return? So my gut says says less uh, because CJ kind of bumps Gary Trent down and allows more a little more punch on the... Um, on the uh, second unit, but uh, talking with Jason Quick on Monday, uh, this was the show that was posted. It, it's in your feed right before this one. Uh, Jason and I talked for about an hour about all things Blazers, and he he has me really convinced that kind of that Nurk is the whole key to the season, and I and I do really think that. I just kind of think that Nurk, like the Blazers' problem is that they stink on defense. And while I understand Nurk is like a huge defensive upgrade over Ennis Cantor, I just don't think it'll be as impactful as, as like, I'm kind of just viewing the Blazers as like, uh, to use sort of like a gamer term, like min max, right? They're just so bad on defense. It doesn't matter that you might as well just max out what they do on offense and having another guy who can go get his own individual offense, like CJ McCollum is, is more valuable, but I'm starting to think that I'm just I'm I sort of jaded by how bad Nurk was at the beginning of the year and that that is hateration and holleration and that Nurk will be more impactful because it um gets everybody it it moves everyone it moves Ennis back to a more reasonable role. I worry that it moves it gives us so many minutes of Ennis and Carmelo Anthony and that was so bad that it'll end up being like a net negative. But um but yeah, I my gut says that it's less my brain says it's the same and like the same is a big impact, right? Like CJ is a big boost. And if Nurk provides that same boost, that's a big boost. But you know, if someone like Jason, who's been covering the team for decades and is as close to what goes on with the team as anyone who covers them thinks that it's going to be a massive impact or that I should sort of wait to judge them until I see Nurk for a month, I'll, I'll, I'll agree. I guess that maybe I'm wrong or I'll, I'll hold open the possibility that maybe I'm wrong. I'll say, you know, I, I agree with the reasoning, but I maybe don't agree with the take. Next question comes from Blazers Tag Podcast at Blazers Tag PDX on Twitter, who asks, "Sexiest Trailblazers podcasters?" Uh, it, pfft, I gotta keep it. I gotta keep it a hundred here or a buck five, as I said earlier in the podcast. Is I don't really listen to any other Blazer podcasts. Um, sorry, I get a. I I read a lot of Blazers news. I watch a lot of the games. You know, I'm in, in on the Zoom calls, whatever. Um, but I'm not, uh, I'm not a big, I'm not a big Blazer podcast, uh, listener. Um, and, uh, so I don't even have, and I was going to base this just on voices alone. So I'll just pick y'all. I'll pick Blazers tag podcast, sexiest, sexiest podcasters. Let me give that again to you as a clean take actually. So you can, you can, you can drop this in your show. I think the Blazers tag podcast is probably the sexiest trailblazers podcasters out there. Yeah, that was for y'all. You're you're welcome. Next question comes from Tim, who asks, "What do you know about LeBron and AD's injury slash return times? I feel like this could shake up your tiers." This is, Tim is referring to my Western Conference playoff tiers. We're gonna have to revisit them here shortly, but uh, both of them are supposed to be out of about another month. LeBron probably. AD at least three more weeks. LeBron it looks like a month from about four days ago, so a month. Um, 
Yeah, the Lakers are going to be a lot worse over this next month. Like, they're not really designed to have Dennis Schroeder and Taylor Horton Tucker carry them. Um, they're, they are built, they are top heavy. The thing is, they're top heavy with the two of the five best players in the NBA. So that it's, it's quite heavy up there. But they're not built for this. Uh, LeBron doesn't really get hurt. He's been hurt. This is the second time in his career, basically. He's going to miss any significant amount of time. Uh, AD hadn't gotten hurt in a couple years. He'd always banged up a little bit, but hadn't missed significant time since he had come come to the Lakers. Uh, so this is bad news. Lakers are going to Lakers are going to be bad for a little while. Um, Blazers should, maybe should schedule a couple games with them. Uh, not how it works, but maybe how it should. Next question comes from Simon, who asks. Listening to your previous podcast and how some of our players lack enough physical capabilities to defend gave me an idea of how hard the job of Terry Stotts is when it comes to defense. So my first question is, if you were Terry Stotts, what defensive sets or groups do you have in mind that could potentially benefit the way our team plays? On another note, should Terry, should Terry emphasize more of having plays that do not run with Damon CJ in specific cases that two of them are not performing well? So this is like, what should Terry do on offense? What should Terry do on defense? It's probably a bigger question than I can answer in the sort of three and a half minutes I've got carved out for it. Um, on defense, it's like on defense, he is super limited with um, with personnel. Not like not like super limited. They should be better than they are. Like they're they're putrid on defense. They're horrific, and it's gonna it's derailing their whole season how bad they are on defense. But they should be like a like a slightly below average defensive team. They should be like 20, 20, 22nd in, in, in the West. And, he, and then like, if they were like a, like a low bottom 10 defense, it, it wouldn't come up every single day, how much they stink, but they stink. And it's obvious when you watch them, they would just, they should just be normal, bad. Like the, the problem with Terry's coaching is that he hasn't pulled them out of the sort of normal, bad seller. Um, and then they're really bad right now. In fact, uh, by some measurements, by Raptor, 538's Raptor score. Uh, some Ben had me looking this up earlier before I was while I was preparing for the podcast. Damian Lillard ranks as one of the worst defensive players in the NBA this year. And that's no good. Like I've said this before, like he's not a good defensive player, and I don't bang on him for that because he's such an elite offensive player and his burden is so much on offense that asking him to do more on defense is a problem. But he can't be the worst defensive player in the league. He can't be the worst defensive star in the league. That's no good. Like he has to be better than that. Um, so some of like, that's not a Terry problem. Some of the Terry problem is pairings, like avoiding Mello and Cantor. He stopped doing that. And, and that has been less of a problem. Um, some of it is just like, he's, he's got a, he's, he, he's, I feel like he's been better at getting guys to sort of do game plan-y type stuff, but then like they couldn't stop James Harden at all. I mean, who can, but like they couldn't stop the Nets at all. And they lost a 40 point game to the Mavericks after I thought that they were getting a little sharper stick into the game plan. So I don't know. I don't have a solution with Stotts and this team. Like I try, you know, throw in, throw in the zone when it's working a little bit, do this and that. But I don't know if, if Dame's going to be as bad as he is, and you're going to have to play Cantor and Mello so much, like you're going to be a bad defensive team. So really it's just being about sort of like sharper, a little bit better communication wise when you're out there and try to be like, not horrific. Uh, on offense, like getting the ball out of Dame and CJ's hands, that's easier said than done. Who do you give the ball to? I mean, it, the solution so far has been, uh, 
Rodney Hood. They've tried it a little bit. You know, Anthony Simons basically has failed at that role. They've tried him for two years to try to like get him there, but he's just like not capable of it. Um, they don't have anyone else on the roster who can dribble and facilitate. Uh, I think it will help when Nurk gets back because you can run more offense through him at the top of the key, but he's not like dribbling and he's not getting into the teeth of the defense off the dribble. The Blazers don't have that skill and it's a problem. Simon, I think the answer to your question is I don't know. I don't know. And and I kind of think if you pretend to know, you're not that there's like no solutions, but that there's there are real limitations. They're just they're real limitations. And I and I think um I think personnel matters and that the Blazers should be better than they are on defense, but the idea that they could like a, that a different coach would make this dramatic dramatic like make them a top 10 defense is wild to me. I don't, I don't think so, but maybe they'll hire someone new this summer and fire Terry. And I'll, I'll be like, Oh yeah, huh, it was just as simple as that. How about it? Next question comes from Dr. J who asked a question right before the trade deadline. The trade deadline is Thursday. It's Thursday in the middle of the afternoon. So, uh, on Wednesday show, I will have a little preview of, um, of what the trade deadline is probably going to look like. And then on Thursday's show, we will react to what happens in the league. Uh, so look for a couple more podcasts in your feed in the, in the next couple days, pre-deadline, post-deadline, about what the Blazers did, what's going on in the rest of the league. Like the movement's going to happen. Um, but maybe by the time you're listening to this, even if you wait later in the day on Wednesday, stuff will have happened. So check, if, you're, if you're like, hey, where's the trade talk? It's coming, just wait. But Dr. J offers this. Uh, basically saying that the Blazers should... There's an, there's a, this idea that LaMarcus Aldridge is going to end up in the buyout market and the Blazers would pursue LaMarcus Aldridge. They have a 15th roster spot. They can bring him in. There's no financial issues. It would just be, does he want to come here? Do they sign him? That's it. But Dr. J says, I don't think from a basketball sense it makes sense to sign LA, that's LaMarcus, unless it were part of a string of moves. A lot of ifs and buts, but hear me out. One, we sign LA. Dr. J is hitting us with a lot of collective pronouns. Let's just roll with it. We sign LA. Under the assumption, and the assumption is that he would come back if it works. We hopefully keep Cantor, Ennis Cantor beyond this year. Zach Collins stays. Then at the trade deadline, we package Hood or Derek Jones Jr. Both are expiring. Hood has a team option. Derek Jones has a player option. Gary Trent Jr. and Nurk for a high-end wing gives us around $27 million to play with. Not, not sure who per se, but this think this could bring in the type of player we would need. Maybe a Harrison Barnes. Uh, yeah, that's even more money than you need for Barnes, but sure. But but that would be the idea. Basically, we downgrade at the center position, but s- remain serviceable and then upgrade on the wings. So I like this idea in theory. I really do. I really do. I think... Um, I think the difference in elite centers and middling centers is is like a massive gap. And I think what Nurk is like is a decent above average starting center and the like jump up like there's a lot there's some guys in his range that are just kind of eh, they're kind of they're okay they're solid they'll get it done miles turner comes to mind uh but then there's like this really big gap and it's like elite centers with Jokic and anthony davis and, and joel Embiid. and i think you'd be better off just kind of punting on serviceable center to have uh, punting towards serviceable center to sort of this mid-range center like Nurk is, right? Like, I think you can approximate what Nurk brings with a 36-year-old LaMarcus Aldridge and Anas Cantor and Zach Collins. I agree with that. What I am what I am concerned about is that even if you, if that's the package, right? Derek Jones, Gary Trent Jr., and Nurk. Like, that's good value, right? I don't think you're trading for an all-star wing, and I don't think Harrison Barnes does enough for you to make that deal worth it. That it is so hard to get good wings is what this is. Like this, it's just so hard to get good wings. Like 
like just look around the league how many dudes that can dribble and shoot and are taller than six foot five are really out there like it is a, it is a thin crop and the teams that have one are holding on tight and giving them Gordon Hayward money like there's just that is a coveted position and I don't even I'm not even sure that with Nurk and Gary Trent and Derek Jones that you're I don't think you're like getting like a Zach Levine level player creator right and if you're getting uh Harrison Barnes like that's kind of a lateral move for what you're giving up like I don't think you've improved the roster to sort of take it to that next level you want to get to and I think this this kind of outlines what I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast like it's really hard to get as good as the Blazers would need to get in order to in order to make that next step. Like going from good to great in the NBA is really hard. The Blazers are good. Like I've been hating on them a lot in this podcast. Like I can feel a little feel a little negative in the podcast studio, but they're like they're fine, right? Like they're 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 going to be like a solid playoff team. They're pretty good. But pretty good is a, is a tough spot to be because that jump from pretty good to great is is enormous. It is really 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 tough to thread that needle. Uh, the the step down from pretty good to mediocre is brutal, and that step from mediocre to terrible is a long, endless track. Talk about just talk to a Sacramento Kings fan, give him a hug. Well, you know if if safety allows, give them a hug. But I don't like I like this idea, Doctor J. Like I think you're I think you're on the right track in sort of like being cre- how to be creative to improve this team. And even that still, I don't think you land on the domino you want to land on. Like I don't think you. I don't think you hit, I don't think you sink the battleship with this move, as long as we're using terms like this. I just think, I think you've created the most valuable trade package while keeping the team pretty good. And even then, is there a team out there that's going to trade an elite level wing for expiring Gary Trent Jr. and, and Yusuf Nurkic? Like, and and Derek Jones Jr., who's like pretty good. He's just like not a, not a creator. He's just a like an athletic long wing. It's, that's tough. And I I I've said I've said it on a couple podcasts now, like that's the piece the Blazers need is that sort of like six seven creator type. But that's the piece every team needs. That's what everyone is searching, hunting for, is that type of player. That's the most coveted position. And uh good luck getting one. All right, like I said, trade trade coverage coming, trade deadline coverage coming. We're gonna have a little trade preview tomorrow's show. Uh, we'll have trade reaction after the after the deadline happens on Thursday. So make sure you're checking your feed for those shows. Uh, if you want to get involved in a future mailbag Monday, the Twitter handle is Mike G Rich. The email address is lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. I appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.